All right, episode number three of our OCR Star Series continues with my good friend, Jack Bauer. So late in the episode, we talk about Jack's experience with having the same name as that fake dude from the show, 24. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm pretty sure in my mind, Kiefer Sutherland stole that name from our guy because Jack Bauer OCR, he is a legend. And today we talk about the Gripper Chipper, and we also give you a preview of the third event, which is a six-mile road run. Doesn't sound like a lot of stuff to talk about, but we do a lot of talking, and it's it's good stuff. So we give you a deep dive about the review of Gripper Chipper, who did well, some surprises that we saw, our takes on if it was a good workout or not, and then some strategies on how to approach this six-mile road race. Cool. And also a quick reminder here at Reinforced Running, we've rolled out our strength training and conditioning coaching for obstacle course racers. And these are strength and conditioning workouts that are meant to work with your running, not in place of your running. Because if you listen to this podcast, you know that running is what is most important. But these strength, the strength coaching program it will help improve your upper body endurance, your overall strength and your transition ability. It costs 19 bucks a month. And it will make you stronger. It will make you faster. So take a look at the link in the show notes. Shoot me a direct message on IG. It's reinforced underscore running underscore rich. Or shoot me an email at rich at reinforcedrunning.com. All right, here we go. My guy, Jack Bauer. Okay, we're on. Jack Bauer, hello. What's going on, Rich? Not much, man. You're back from the Granite State. I am, yeah, back in Colorado, and I I know I was out for about seventeen days out in at sea level, and the air doesn't actually feel different to me. Granted, I haven't done a workout, but I was expecting it to be like you know people come from sea level go to elevation, they're away from elevation for a bit, it knocks you out. But I guess I'm just adapted at that point. But so I, I was gonna pity the sea level people a little bit more, but I guess I I don't have an you, excuse you know, right you now. You have nothing, right? You just stayed acclimated. You're just acclimated yeah. for life. When that yeah, be basically, nice. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a real difference for a couple years. Can't imagine. So we're here to talk about OCR stars. I'm just going to keep building on what we've been doing. Last week, we talked about the mile and preview for Gripper Chipper. Today, we're going to talk about Gripper Chipper and the six mile. So we want to go through a couple of those things. And I figure here's like a a loose agenda. We're just going to talk about the overall results with the Gripper Chipper results. I want to talk about Gripper Chipper as a workout, just kind of get our takes about it. And then we'll get into the six miler. And then we'll talk about some of like the age groupers and some compelling stories to follow there. But first, Jack, you did not compete this week. I did not. Obviously I've, I've gone over my Achilles messed up. I probably wasn't honestly going to be too worried about it for this workout, but then I was visiting my family and my brother had a nasty cough for a few days. Mm. And my dad also developed the same thing. I'm like, do they have COVID? And so they went and got tested. And of course the results weren't, immediately available for a couple days because why would they ever get immediate results for you in a day like this would they be working on something like that yeah yeah i don't know but but they couldn't end up getting the results quick and i'm like i'm not gonna go to the gym just in case they have it and by the time that it got like all the testing and stuff came back it turned out neither of them had covid my brother had strep throat my dad had some some other illness but not covid fortunately but that was saturday afternoon and i ran out of time so, so I mean, you were, just, you were doing the appropriate and responsible thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where I, I must say, if I was in that boat, I was like, well, I don't feel sick. I don't know. If I, should I know. Tested. Like I would, I probably wouldn't have gotten tested just so I could do the workout. But <laughs> I, I had perfect attendance from 
third grade till I finished grad school. Never missed a day, never late, anything like that. And no way. <laughs> so, so I don't, I know when I'm sick and I'm not sick. Like everyone else tested negative and stuff. I, I didn't have time to get a test, but I was like wearing a mask in my own house. It was kind of, you know, that's, that's how 2020 is, but that's just life. I, I was, I was still trying to do the socially responsible thing. And at, at this point with my bad mile, cause I couldn't race it hard. I was like, I, I don't even care at this point, but what I am going to do once I heal, I know it's not going to, you know, retroactively change anything. I am going to do like a four week cycle where I just test all of these in the order in which they were done just so I can see how I would have stacked up and hopefully that's soon. So we can kind of get some, you know, off season comparisons versus everybody else, but I do plan on comparing completing them it just wasn't worth it and the risk for everyone else at this point yeah and i mean that'll actually be fun and that'll also be fun to see how how this whole thing stacks up and how your results compare and then how that actually translate into a real race or if you have it for say this happens next season right they can kind of go back through and see how your times have improved uh in this specific field so looking at the results after a couple of events, we're going to go through just like the main results and kind of talk about some of the people that are there mm-hmm. and how they kind of stacked up in the gripper chipper itself. So let's start with, let's start on the female side. So yeah. And, and before we start, we, we jumped on, we talked about like a couple of people we're, we're recording this on Tuesday and uh, a couple of people have already done their six mile run. Do you think the people who have done the six mile run, they just really hate the idea of a six mile run or they just like, like needed to get it out of the way, or do you think that this is just, they're going to do multiple attempts? I'll, I'm I'm going to go on a tangent right here, but I think some of them they're like, oh, it's going to get darker five minutes every day after work, and <laughs> you, or you know I can't do it in the morning. I might as well knock it out while there are a few more minutes of daylight. And I, I don't know, this daylight savings time recently happened. I hate that thing. Gotta get rid of it. But yeah, I I think that some people just wanted to get it out of the way, and it might have just fit their schedule better early on. Yeah, that, that's true. Or maybe it's a weather thing because in many of these areas, the weather is going to be poor. So like if they saw later in the week, it's going to be windy or cold or snowy or something or raining. They just decided to to jump on while the weather was good. But yeah. or, speaking of weather, like this is a, if you don't have bad conditions, this is almost the best time of year to set like a really good running PR depending, like almost anywhere in the country. November, you're probably looking somewhere in the 30 to 50 degree range, like, and probably closer to like the mid forties during the the nice part of the day that is ideal for setting a fast time. So don't be worried about like, Oh, it's late in the year and the offset, like the weather will help you even if you're not fully fit versus like what you do in the summer. And we train all summer in the terrible heat. Most of us hoping that when it gets cool, we have a nice day and we can pop a time. Like this is why we train all freaking summers to get this weather, this like sliver of, of hope to get some, fast times in so yeah if you can catch a nice day may not be as windy or something like that that that, then i guess that would be some strategy we'll talk about the strategies later but anyway so so we're looking at the coming back to this uh some people have already put in their time so the results Mm -hmm. are a little skewed because of it but on the women's side it's uh lauren weeks is up top she has uh, like 619 was her split 619 was her split and she's number one overall and she has a very she has a very few points. She has like seven points overall. She did. I think, she I think the two of us both predicted her as the winner. And I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Like her mile <laughs> is fantastic. She's a very good runner. I think she'll play somewhere around the 10 mark or so for the 10K. But yeah, I'm not surprised to see Lauren having won that, that last race. Yeah. So the, how well she did in the mile, like it was... It was not a surprise that she did well. Yeah, yeah. 525 in the mile and then coming back. And in, in second place is, do you know how to pronounce his name? Ida Stenensgard? Do you know her? 
I don't. Oh, she's had like podiums at OCR World Championships before. She's one of the best racers over in Europe. Ridiculous proficiency on harder grip-based obstacles. So the fact that she did really well doesn't surprise me because she like literally at OCR Worlds on the women's side, a lot of times if it's like a an hour 50 to two hours for the top women, you'll see like three people there. And then it'll be like a bunch in the 215 range. So they're like leaps and bounds ahead of the, the next pack. And Ida's always up there. Nice. Also an espresso. She's, she's actually fairly close. Like you would think that Lauren has, would be running away with this. And now that we're going into another distance event, I would imagine is Ida. Ida. You'd imagine Ida could make up some ground here. And if nothing else, just beat her by one or two spots and maybe be able to take over for that next one. Um, Exactly. Then it's Bethany Machesney out of Canada, Amanda Nadal out of Canada. And yeah, and, and we and we talked about Amanda because I remember mentioning her like one arm L sits and stuff. For so you know, great core strength, great grip strength right there. So tough. It looks like she got sixth in it. That's a really solid result, though. Totally, totally respectable, and, and someone who does well on the Spartan circuit mm-hmm. and being able to do that well in a gym based workout. Six is- Tahoe, yeah. Right, and that's pretty impressive because, as we'll see on on the guy's side, some of the top actual racers in the Spartan circuit or in any of the circuits really is Savage and OCR Worlds. Like they didn't fare as well in this workout. So for someone like Amanda, who you know placed better in this gym based workout than she did in the running workout, it really didn't play out like that in very many and very many of the high level OCR athletes on the men's side. So I thought I found that pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Katie, Katie Knight wrapping up the top five. I mean, 706, third place overall in the gripper chipper, um, yep. which is really, really solid. And, and then Rebecca Hammond is right outside. She had a tougher time with the gripper chipper, but her, her second place overall is enough for her to get right into that seventh place. Yeah, she's going to do great on the run, and she's a, a really good at like box jumps and stuff because they're, they're in stadium races. She's won a few of those, and she's just a pretty explosive athlete, even though most people don't categorize her as that. Yeah, for sure. So she, yeah, she has that type of experience, and she'll be – tremendous when it comes to the road yeah um, so let's just touch on the men's real quick and then we can yeah, I, really I, just wanted to, I just wanted to go over real quick just like some of these results so so you can obviously see the split at which they finished their toe to bars versus like how long it took them to to complete all their their burpee pull-ups it looks like lauren weeks it took her a minute and 42 seconds to do wow. 25 burpee pull like that's ridiculous that's like, really, really I, fast. I, I, I don't even know if I could hold that pace for one minute. Never mind. Like, that is flying. And, and I, I'm assuming that they logged them correctly and stuff. But, like, Ida, it looks like it took her 201. I said right around two minutes would be the normal thing. Amanda did it in two flat. Bethany, 213. Tiffany Palmer, like, 224. So, it without question, Lauren just dominated those those burpee pull-ups and we thought it was going to be all tote bars but that was like a big separator for her clearly it was the tote bars that made the biggest difference but i didn't realize you could put as much of a gap on the tote bar or on the burpee pull-ups as as lauren did right there yeah and i mean even looking at it like her her time getting through the toes to bar were still it was still like 25 seconds faster than than Ida's. so yeah but then she was just able to extend that by 30 40 more seconds so yeah, that's a tremendous effort on that. So that's definitely up her wheelhouse because that that's as fast as any of the guys were able to kind of get through those burpee pull-ups as well. Yeah. Yep. Awesome time. So, and then on the guy's side, it, there, there was some discrepancies that we'll definitely talk about and dive into a little bit. But right now, the top five is looking like Chris Woolley, Sergey. Perelligan. 
Perelligan. I need. I, why don't you go ahead and go through and say all these names? You're you're, yeah. you're, you're dialed in. Sure. Chris Woolley, Sergey Perelligan is one point behind him, and Chris ended up losing by less than one second in the mile. So Sergey made up that that distance right there because they were eighth and ninth right there, and then eighth and tenth and gripper trip. So it's like every place does matter at the top right there. Third is Forrest Bogue, who we thought would do really well. He got second in gripper tripper. Sean Stevens Whale, he definitely surprised me with his grip strength right there. And mm-hmm. I, I just realized I happen to be wearing a Red Bull 400 shirt right there. He got top 10 in the world last year. And he wasn't at, I wasn't at the same race that he was at, but he finished top 10 in Vancouver for that race. So guys yeah, no got, much more for his climbing. And he's also a, an accomplished a tower runner. Yep. So like running like world-class level for that yeah. as well. Yep. And then Ivan Dektyarev from Russia. I don't know anything about him, but I'm assuming he's a really good OCR athlete over there. I, I know most of like the, the I, I guess like where you and I would stack up essentially, or, you know, you're, you're a little above where I am, but like that class of athletes over in Europe, I know most of them, but I, for some reason, haven't heard of Ivan yet. Um, but you, you better but was, believe I went in and tried to find out who he was as well. And I was on yantacamp.com checking out your rankings i'm like okay yeah. like, let's see where this guy is and he's not on it yeah yeah well a lot of they don't have spartan in russia they were gonna run their first one in ukraine ever so like they really have to travel closer to like the uk and like germany and stuff if they really want to do some races and russia's huge so i don't know what part of russia he's he's in it might take a little bit of travel time there but he's i guarantee you he probably does like some of the the more obstacle dense races that are there the, the lesser known ones to americans but big deal you, over there how do you know sergey then Oh, where do you he know has, that name? He has three podiums at OCR Worlds. So he do, he'll go to those events. He he got he was on the podium at Greece this past year for the Trifecta World Championship, ahead of Woods, ahead of Killian, ahead of Aaron, ahead of Atkins. Like he's legit, and he won the European Championship two years ago and got second this past year. So he's world class. The only reason really people good. in the U.S. haven't seen him was because he's never been able to get a visa. So because he's from Russia. He's wanted to go to Tahoe, and I think that he probably would have got top five or so a couple times. Like, he's super legit, but when you can't travel to a different country, you're not getting in. So, totally. So, he, he, so he's able to travel travel overseas or in, yeah. in Europe and is much better known over there. Okay, yes. that makes sense then. And whereas yeah. Ivan, he might not be making that type of travel and therefore yeah. is not in your ranking. Yeah. Sergey has been established for five years. He's world class, no doubt. Got it. So let's dive in a little bit more about this, the, the workout itself and kind of the results among the gripper chipper. So we talked a little bit on the female side. So yeah, I just kind of want to ping back and forth and give people an idea of what it's looking like in terms of the results and just give people the shout outs that they deserve who are in that top five in the, in the pro. But in the on the women's side, it seemed to be certainly challenging, this workout. Whereas let's see how many people got under the cap. Only about 15 people were under the cap itself. It, it probably um, over two thirds of the, the people like just timed out. And even when we were going through it, I, I really wasn't even sure how far people were, these women were going to get into the burpee pull-ups or get through the toes for us. I didn't even know what a good score was going to be. Once Lauren Weeks come, comes through and smashes, I mean, she had a great score no matter what. And same with Danielle Dunlap, who was second over overall in the gripper chipper, but she was part of that squad that did the workout with Hunter in North Carolina. So there, there was definitely a woman in that video who was just going after yep. it. Yeah. So, so anybody under eight minutes, it seemed like was really top, top of their, of the field in this event. 
No doubt. I, I was a little surprised. And I mean, I, I don't know the circumstances. I thought Alyssa Holly would have done a little better just because she kind of has that reputation as like the, you know, CrossFit functional fitness. I know she obviously became more of a runner through the years and she's had to deal with some injuries. I just would have expected a little better from her, but I don't know the circumstances around it. And it, this doesn't perfectly translate to the race course because you saw the same thing on the men's side, several really good athletes just capped out or didn't make it. So I don't, it's not a perfect reflection of it. So I don't want to you know, go, go too deep into that. And it depends on the style of training and like, yeah. like you can do functional fitness, you could do CrossFit style training, but if you're skewing it toward OCR and you may have a different philosophy as what is important for OCR training and Tosa Bar might not be that. And, and it seems like Tosa Bar is, is a pretty specific movement to train and to be proficient at. And maybe that was just not in her rotation for it. And it's hard just to kind of make up ground on that, on the Tosa Bar specifically by just like talent or strength. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, she's still one of the five or so best women in the world. So nothing against that. I, I was just a little surprised to to see that and Rebecca Hammond, like a little farther down. But yeah, bottom line, this isn't a perfect translation to the race course, but some athletes it was. Right. And that's something I want to touch on as well. And, and, and if that if we want this to be a perfect representation of what to expect out there, or if this is an expectation of what it is on uh, just its own event. And on the men's side... I mean, that monster that was in the video with, with Hunter, the Alan Dunlap, that was just crazy. Not Did that, you watch that? Yeah, I, I thought he had like stick him tape on his hands or something, like the wide receivers. It's like, how do you stay on the bar that entire time? And he was doing the lunges crazy fast also. Like He smoked yeah. everything. And he yeah. like, when he was doing his sports bar, he was barely swinging. He was just like down and up, down and up, down and up. He didn't look very tall. Yeah. I must say, because this is that movement in particular is not one for the taller gentleman. I would like to see this. Do you know how many of these men, say in the top 10, are oh, over six feet? Uh, Forrest, definitely no. I don't know the CrossFit guy, Dino Sana. Matt Kempson, he's probably like 5'8". Cole's around maybe 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, Chris Woolley's about the same. Yeah, it, it basically you fit into the CrossFit body, I guess, is, is how I'd put it. Nick Riker, he's, he's about he's tall. close to my height. I'm six one. He's probably six feet or six one also, but he was probably like the best placing taller person. That oh, I'm aware of. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. the anomaly to that is obviously Hunter who is like five eighteen, five twenty, or whatever. And he's like six one, six two. Yeah. Yeah. But he's yeah. also very specifically CrossFit these past, you know, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So this definitely had an advantage for the shorter athletes. And you can see at the, the very, very top um, of someone getting, someone getting under five minutes is like someone going under four ten for the mile. Oh, it was a super legit. So I think if this was in the CrossFit Games, like this, that would have been awesome seeing this in the CrossFit Games, honestly, because I think some people would really blow up. I know they had their big toe to bar lunge thing this year, but I feel like adding the burpee pull ups, like, you know, that might cause people to, to definitely pace differently with the, or the burpee penalty, sorry, if they drop. Like 50 is still an absurd amount, even if they yeah. can do 30, 20, 10 or whatever in the CrossFit Games. That's still an absurd amount. Yeah, it is a, a very large amount of toast to bar. And it was clearly what made the difference in this workout. And mm -hmm. that was something that, you know, I, I struggled with in terms of how I felt about this workout. Is like, is I'm not sure like that this was a good workout, quote unquote, is like because the lunges and the farmer's walks was almost inconsequential. Everybody came through between like a minute 30 and if you were conservative, say a minute 40. 
And then the burpee pull-ups, I didn't really go through and look at these, but I don't, I don't think it, it was, it wasn't enough to make up for the toaster bar. And so like really the only part of this workout that mattered were the toaster bar. So yeah. I, I think this workout could have very well just been a hundred toaster bar for time. And the results would have been the exact same. I sort of, the way that I sort of see this workout is you have the CrossFit open and most of the time, like four of the five events are very doable for everyone. And then they're like, all right, max one rep ma- or one rep max on a snatch or something where it like separates the, yeah you know, the, the big people or, you know, the best of the best from the, the rest. And I feel like this kind of did that. It wasn't a true OCR thing necessarily. It wasn't a true, it was more CrossFit obviously, but I mean, it's, it's still a fair test and you did see people do really well in OCR who are in that functional fitness domain, I guess, or, you know, you classify them as that. Yeah, totally. And I, and like, I think this was supposed to be, you know, obviously it's called the gripper chipper. It was supposed to be the grip component of this event that would, you know, make it very OCR. I don't think it tested the grip that much. I think the grip was, you know, it, the grip definitely was taxed, but like, my abs i'll speak for myself my abs were what stopped me like it wasn't i didn't need to come off the bar to like shake off my forearms i needed to yeah i just ran out of gas i just got <laughs> extremely tired and needed to stop and rest mm-hmm. and yeah i i think it's also really interesting that a lot of ocr athletes I, I mean if you look at a crossfit athlete a lot of times they look like they're a physique like a bodybuilder type like just because that they're, they're doing a lot of like weighted stuff overhead and that helps give you a lot stronger core ocr athletes were durable and like bulletproof with a lot of stuff but i don't think have like the huge amount of core strength and i think that it kind of showed like mm. in this type of workout if, if you don't have like that that huge like I, I guess like that you know how like the world's strongest men people have got like the sort of beer yeah, belly but belly. you can still yeah. see that out yeah like matt kempson's the power belly he said i feel like that type of physique helped a little bit more in this thing and if you were a shorter athlete but there's only so much they can do with the, with a single bar though to test grip strength kettlebells so given the constraints of like not everyone had the same equipment and everybody could have access to something like this i I think it was you know a reasonably designed workout totally and i think this would i think this would have tested the grip more if this was put into rounds like if this was 100 feet of farmer's walk 50 feet of lunges 25 toaster bar and 10 burpee pull-ups three rounds of that yeah, and going back to the weights after doing all those things would have been more taxing on the grip. You may have seen people fail in the in the lunges or the farmer's walk because I can't imagine anybody did. And I said, like, if I put these down, it the, the second time I did this workout, I told the person who was helping me out, recording me, I was like, if I stop during the lunges or the farmer's walk, I'm starting over. <laughs> like, yeah, something happened, and I'm starting over. Like, this is not part of the workout that I'm going to screw up. I personally would have put this one last and done the burpee or the box jump over and then the step up one before this. Really? Yeah. Cause I think that this, like you're, you're, everyone was talking about how like, I'll never be able to do 50 total bar. And I think that kind of psyched out people ahead of it who weren't really confident on that type of movement. And that would at least have kept the standings really close. Mm-hmm. And then if you wanted to change something at the end, after hearing all like the people fearing about it, instead of making it a chipper style workout, he could have broken it up but still kept the the number of things or the number of reps overall that that could have been a different strategy yeah and that's true it kind of kept people in the game i kind of like that he did two special like it, these are both specialized yeah. and it, it the results are wacky they're all over the place yeah as they should be like if you want to place well you yeah like even on the men's side i think lauren she had a one and a six for her places 
but on the men's side, you're you're not even close. Like you have some people. I think Chris Woolley um, and Sergey, their their best results are like eighth place, and eighth they're and tenth, yeah, and they're they're the top two right now. So it just shows like you can't super excel at everything, but you can have really good results overall. But you're not. No one's going to score a four in this total thing. Like one 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 one. You're right. probably going to end up with a winner being around like thirty or forty. Right, and I think that that's fair. I think that that, sh- that is that is well designed in this case. And let's talk about some of the runners a little bit here, and kind of what happened to them during this. Uh, where you know Nick Masick, he he's still in decent decent standing as 18th overall. Now he finished 46th in Cripper Chipper. Did get under the cap. Batris got capped. He finished 63rd. VJ finished 42nd. VJ, uh, that that kind of surprised me, honestly. He's tall. <clears throat> it's true, but like everyone kind of thinks of him as that super flowy, like, you know, that really good at offs. And he is clearly, yes. but I think it's, if you're on a bar for two minutes in a row doing abs stuff, that's a little different than, totally. if you're, you know, just on it and trying to maximize or minimize the amount of time you're on a bar, which is what you want to do on an obstacle. I think he's, he's an expert at that, but maybe not in this part. And it's just surprising seeing him do not excel at like the top 2% of something. Cause it doesn't seem to <laughs> happen that way that often. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, huh, oh, so- at the top. Always at the top, right? So, like him being in the 40s, it's like, oh shit, I guess this was something definite. Chad uh, Trammell, he was, he got under the cap, but finished 52nd. I finished 27th. The dude, yep. Lars, finished 47th. Woods got capped. He was 80 something. And these are right now, like, before anybody gets back into the top 10, it was, it was Sergey who was eighth in the mile and he was 10th back in Gripper Chipper. Mm-hmm. And like we said, he's, he's a world class obstacle course racer. Yep. And, so, and I mean, like Ryan Kent, he was 24th. It took him over seven minutes. Taylor Turney, one of the best athletes in Spartan, he he finished just over nine minutes. And yeah, there there are a lot of people. Sergey Sillin, who I mentioned the other day, who got second in the 15K at OCR Worlds two years ago, he ran a 4.51 mile for 31st and then got 30th in gripper chipper, taking just under eight minutes. And it's like, he's the second best in the world two right. years ago, less than 30 seconds behind Alvin in an hour and a half race. Like, he's buried in this, you know, and he's, yeah. and he's buried. I, I think who is Samuel A. Bear from Canada. I think that he had a rough 902. So, and he's a phenomenal athlete. He's like I, a really good athlete. He's like that platinum rig specialist type guy. Like he, he's so good on obstacles. So another one that, that really surprised me, Cole Schwartz couldn't say I'm too surprised with him because this, this seemed right up his alley. But yeah, like a few people like Logan Broadbent, he's been an American Ninja Warrior and he didn't, and he capped out like that's, that's shocking to me, but yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know Logan has kind of is doing this like for fun for sure, and he had some yeah, issues yeah. in terms of standards. He wasn't. I don't think he knew. I don't think he knew what toes to bar were when he went into this. <laughs> okay, and he's, he's, I think he was doing strict pike toes to bar. Oh <laughs> Jesus! I was like, ah. Uh. <laughs> so from that perspective, I was actually surprised Kent didn't do better. I mean, he did better than I did, but not that much. But again, he's tall and he's big. You know, yeah, this isn't. I don't think, and like, if you're not specifically training for this year over year, I don't think you could overcome that based on just straight up core strength. So yeah, totally agree. So this, this workout, I think worked in terms of this competition and making it interesting. Cause now I feel like it is compelling. I feel like there are some like shakeups at the top now and it's, it's really close. No one really has a stranglehold, like on the women's side where Lauren and Ida are like, it's going to be one of those two. It, it kind of seems, but on the men's side, it could be anyone's game at this point. And I think for the sake of this, the results for this workout, I think that they hit it. I think it, it was a good job to make this a compelling competition. 
I don't think it was a very good workout. I don't think it was very original. I think the burpee pull-ups were just to make you feel like you did something at the end of the event. It, like you weren't going to make up any ground. It just made you breathe hard when it was over. I don't quite understand why that was even part of it. And maybe I'm just sour because I didn't do that well. But but like all in all, I think it was a good a, a good test for this event. But for I don't know as a workout in general, I didn't I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that I probably would have done like oh, it's it's hard if you're in a gym to go more than 200 feet because you're just banging out U turns back and forth. But I think I would have probably broken it up as 200 foot farmers carry, 100 foot lunges, and then like 10 or maybe like 15 to 20 toe to bars. So it's just on that. Do I want to go for it? And then done that one more time and then done the 25 burpee pull-ups or something like just i wouldn't have done a chipper style basically or just regular pull-ups because then if you even if you do like 25 toes to bar and then 25 pull-ups make it kipping whatever then it's still a test of grip and then yeah. you can still have penalties for people to fall off where the burpee burpee ones is like this isn't part of the grip i mean it's it's just grimy and gritty it's a taxing workout it's though ta- it, I mean, but that's all it was it just made it feel taxing mm-hmm. but it, the workout wasn't taxing until you did that and then it was over so yeah, even if it was that way where it was 25-25 and it was still like grip, but it, it was able to change out of just like your core endurance or ab endurance and can move more into pulling endurance and pulling strength, I think that that would have been a fair a fair way to do this as well. Yeah. Do you think anybody else pulled a Chandler Smith and then got choke slammed to the ground? <laughs> that was so funny. He's like, that was 50. I don't think anyone else did. I don't even think the dude Alan Dunlap did 50s unbroken, right? I, I don't know how he, he came off the roof without it. I think he came off the bar and the video looked like he was oh, resting. Crap. And yeah. still, oh my God. That is so fast. Yeah. He was just cranking out. He must have like Magnus in his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think anybody else was able to go unbroken on this. I wouldn't, couldn't imagine. No, I think everybody dropped at least twice. I know Chris Woolley said that and then you did it yourself. And I, I, I think Forrest, same thing with his, with his video. It looked like he dropped twice also. And it, it was about that 25 to 30 second penalty each. And that's kind of, why you see big chunks 20 to 30 seconds apart from each other. Yeah, exactly. And I think what would we say 630 would be kind of a separating time. That'd be kind of like, the yeah, unique. I think, I think we said in that 630 to seven minute range, like that's going to be a tough, like a big grouping. And I think we were a little off on that realistically, but yeah, yeah, totally. I, I thought, I thought uh, there I, would be, I take that back. No, no, no. There were six between 650 or 649, nine, and seven oh six, yeah, you had like almost a dozen people. So okay, yeah, that was a pretty tight thing. And that would be the people who probably broke three times. Yes, yeah. And if you could break, I I broke mine. I did, I did, I broke four times, and I just hustled my ass off in between everything. I just mm-hmm. couldn't, I couldn't get it done. And I I went in there wanting to do it in four sets, so breaking three times, but I just couldn't. I did this workout three times, and no yeah. way that I broke it. I did. A set of 15 once and then died. I did a set of 21 times to start and then died really bad. I did, and then my last one, I did a set of 13. I was going to try to do 13, 12, 13, 12, and just think that that would be mm-hmm. uh, sustainable. And I was just going to go as hard as I could. I wasn't going to rest between anything. I was just going to go like run from place to place and, and blast through the, the burpees and everything. And that's what I did. And that gave me my best score, but I still had to break four times. So I think anybody who was under, under 730, or under, I bet I had the fastest time for anybody who did it in five sets. How about that? <laughs> and you won the mass division. And the, and the mass division was certainly mine. I smashed everybody in the mass division. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I looked all, there were, there was some guy who broke six in the age group division. So that's pretty legit. 
That is really legit. Who who was that? That was in like um, the thirty. I was just clicking through. I think it was the thirty to thirty nine division. Oh yeah, Taylor Taylor Pauline shouts to him. Yeah, yeah, five fifty five. So yeah, that's a break. That's a one breaker. Yeah, no, that's right. that's legit. Yeah, one other thing that I just wanted to go over with that. I know that we said CrossFit would do really well if you look at the the gym that or people who do independent. I'm going to assume that they're not CrossFit, but that Alan Dunlap. CrossFit, first place, third place, CrossFit, fourth place, Matt Kempson. He's done a bunch of like Murph style stuff. So I know he's OCR, but he kind of has that crossover. CrossFit now, yeah. Yeah. Matthew DeBrook, CrossFit in seventh place. Yeah. Like, you have a bunch of CrossFitters towards the top. Anyone who basically, if you broke six minutes, most of them were CrossFitters. So or skewed toward CrossFit in the last seven. Like, yes. Someone like Cole, who doesn't necessarily do like long course stuff anymore either. Yeah. Um, you can kind of put him in that like short course specialty specialist hybrid yep. type athlete. So yeah. And on the women's side, it was the same deal. I, I mean, Lauren, she has, she's crossed over a little bit with high rocks and definitely DecaFit and doing the Spartan games, but she's a CrossFitter at, from the beginning. And then Danielle Dunlap, second place, she's a CrossFitter fifth place at CrossFit. So I, I, I wasn't really surprised with that, honestly. And Katie Knight is Hunter's partner. Yes. Like, been traveling around doing these with these. Oh, yeah. Athletes. I didn't know that was her last name. I knew that she yeah. even. Oh, yeah. Yep. Seven, right around seven minutes. That's solid. Really, really solid. So, yeah, let's give a shout out to some of the age groupers here. So, the winner of the gripper chipper in 18 to 29, David Fox. I know that dude yoked. He He's part of, uh, he hangs with Josh Reed and then goes out in the woods and runs around and did an awesome job. 704 to win the 1829. We had our dude who, Taylor Poulin, under six minutes in the male 30 to 39, which is ridiculous. On the 40 to 49, Carl Gagne. Looks like he came 726, really solid time. And then on male for 50 to 59, it was Kevin Finn. Who, yeah, I was chatting with him a little bit over Instagram. He had a great time. He got 738, so he smashed everyone in that in that age group. I mean, as a 50 to 59, getting under eight minutes, that's yeah, legit. That, completing a period. And then Richard Bogue, he messaged me, and I he said he was either turning 67 or just turned just turned 67 or 68. His birthday was recent, but he's in the the later part of the 60 age group. And <laughs> yeah, that that's a phenomenal. Even though he capped out, still. Not not too far off off completing the whole thing. So yeah, and Forrest was posting photos of him doing the toasted bar, and he was just swinging and yeah, reaching up, kicking the bar, having a nice time doing it. <laughs> so nice, nice time, yeah. Forrest and Richard Bogue are just smashing. Yep. Are they the um, best father son combo in OCR? I can't. Well, what about Hobie and his son? Isn't Hobie's son pretty uh, good uh, now? Uh, that was. That was going to be my rebuttal. But. That was going to be it. Do you have a third? Do you, let's go deep on this. Cody Moat and his son Camden. His son Camden won the Spartan Kids or got second at that. No way, really. So I'd, I'd argue that, sorry, Forrest and Richard, you guys are great, but you're probably probably on the back end of the podium. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll give you props to that upper 60s finish. It's very, they're, very they're impressive. They're much more active than the other two. So Right, right. Female 18 to 29 is Chris Newell. No one finished under the cap in that age group. Again, the, the the female times, even just completing this at all was huge. 30 to 39, Jamie Latimer, she was 632, which is crazy. So that's yeah. really, really strong. Now, Lauren was 619, so that's basically wow. right there. Yeah, totally. Michelle Wall, 40 to 49, took the top spot. 
50 to 59, Jana Eastis. She finished under the cap, which is phenomenal. 855 for 50 to 59. And then 60 plus, Christina Olsen, which is just finishing it, finishing it up. And that's a compelling race. We got a tie. We have two competitors in the female 60 plus. Oh, yeah. And they are tied. There we go. Everyone knows Heidi Williams, but Christina Olsen, good job out in Sweden, it looks like. So yeah, so that was Gripper Chipper. So what, any last thoughts on on that before we move on? No, I think we covered it. Yeah, I think we I think we got it. So overall, I'm glad that that shit is over. I will not be doing that workout again. But I'm gonna put to, I'm gonna keep toes to bar as part of the the repertoire because I, I enjoyed thinking about that, learning about it. My abs feel great, feel ripped. Yeah. So I'm happy. I don't about I don't that. think anything gets your lower abs quite like that. And that is another thing because, like you had mentioned, it, it was also exposing because as when COVID started, the gyms closed. So all I did was run. I could definitely feel that I wasn't as strong and, and, and didn't have that endurance that I had in those lower abdominals. And another thing that I wa- wanted to mention, some of the – seeing on the men's side, I'll speak to the men's side at least, that a lot of the athletes who are participating and are doing well in OCRW or do those races in Europe that are a lot more technical – seem to have done a much better where those obstacles, like, you know, those low rigs, like you're, you're using your legs, you're reaching out, you're grabbing like cargo nets with them. And in the U S races, you don't really have to do that that much. You think that had anything to do with the results. You think that these, that those athletes are preparing much more to lift their legs with their abs more often. I think people who run those like harder obstacle style races have much more or much better body awareness. And that requires core awareness and keeping it tight. And I think that, they have been practicing that without even realizing it. So I think that it did help. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can't, you, you can't not notice the amount of diversity there is in terms of the, the nations who are finishing. Like Chris is from Australia. Sergey's from Russia. Forrest is United States. Sean Stevens Weil is from Canada. Ivan Russia. Stephen Blecken. What is this flag? Is this Norway? I, I'll have to pull it up, but I've definitely heard of him. He, he did really, he was in the four thirties for the mile. Yeah, I don't want to misquote that. But yeah. yeah, that's Norway. But those are all those top ra- top racers in this event. So a lot of diversity there, which is really, really cool to see. I was happy to yep. see a lot of representation there. No doubt. Yeah. So yeah, let's so go the, to that uh, six mile. And next event. Six miles, not 10K. Six miles, not 10K. Thank you. First, right off the jump, that's where we got to start. And I know we kind of vented on this last time is like where to do your events and getting confused about the distances for a pretty straightforward event, like even like the mile, the six mile is going to be even more confusing because it's not just 24 laps on a track. It's like 24, it's like 24 laps and like 56 feet. Right. So if you were going to do a six mile on a track, you would need to measure out like 56 feet back from the starting line and start there and then count your 24 laps when you cross that, that start line. But that's not an event we run on the track. We do a 10 K right? And that's 25 laps. And that's longer than what you need to do. So don't do this on the track. Even if you're running a five minute mile, that that difference right there in a lap would be a minute 15. So it's going to be at least a minute 15 faster than your 10k would be. Absolutely. And like probably closer to like 130 for the majority of people. Yeah, I'm definitely whatever I finish this six mile in, I'm just going to add. Yeah, like a minute 15. You might break 30. That would that that's the goal. I think that if that would be a time that would be capable of winning this thing. Yeah, so I was I think- gonna say probably if Batris he's probably sub thirty, 
I'm sure Woods will hop back into it, and I'm sure Chad Trammell as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might Nick, have to Nick, Nick, Nick's going to be able to run yeah. that fast. Yeah. No, I, I think sub 30 people are going to be like, holy crap. And then it's like, oh, well, it's six mile, not 10K. So it's not as crazy. It's still flying, but it's not like that. You know, if you have a two in front of your name for a, a 10K, that's that's legit. That's next level. Totally. So yeah, absolutely do not run this on the track. They're not going to accept it. There, you you can do this the twenty four laps plus fifty six feet, but then it's going to be your word versus what it says on your Strava data, and your Strava data will come back all wacky, like we covered last episode. It's not going to be right on the track, so don't do it on the track. I don't care if that's the only place you have to do it. Drive somewhere, figure it out. Like you can't, you can't do it on the track. It's not doesn't work that way. It would also be unbelievably miserable. It would be really horrible. Miserable. Have you ever done a ten k on a track? Uh, like t- not a full t- I've done a 5k and that was miserable <laughs> I used to think- we had a 160 uh meter track in high school that we used to oh go to God. so it's 10 to the mile and we'd run like the 3k and it's like it's like 18 point something laps and I was like this is so stupid but is that indoor indoor track yeah. like I would get confused on eight laps on an indoor track on in the mile like running it that hard I'd be like I have no idea what lap I'm on yeah like only for a couple minutes yep no this this absolutely it would help you with your pacing for sure but like you said it's not allowed right i don't think i i would not expect them to accept it because like i said your strava data is going to be a mess they're not Mm going to watch a 35 to 45 minute video of you running around the track like they did for the mile just because like they wouldn't have that bandwidth and that sounds terrible so they're not going to accept that so do not do not do it on the track because I know they are checking these things. A friend of mine, Heather White, she had received a message back that her gripper chipper workout was not accepted because of standards. It, it seemed to be a mistake, but they are looking at it and they have the ability to send it back to you. Oh, and also in the gripper chipper, we need to talk about this. Were you following this over the weekend? I know people reattempted stuff. So the dude who is now down quite a bit is another one of the Russian guys, Ivan something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he finished 10th in the mile and he initially had a score in there that was like 528. So he finished like second in gripper chipper to start. Just ahead of Forrest and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he had a score. His score was like 12. I was like, I was like, well, this dude, he won. Like he's gonna, he already had one. He had this thing locked up, but they must've went back and reviewed it and gave him some sort of time penalty or he just had missed like put like put in his information wrong because yeah, it yeah. changed completely so it completely opened up the field again like when i saw that he had done that well i was like oh man like this dude is just gonna run away with it i can't imagine he's not gonna be awesome at the other events as well yeah yeah so they're All checking right. they're they're checking on this so they're like you're not gonna be able to sneak by the some 10 like six mile on the track plus you're gonna do it wrong if you try to do it on track so i cannot stress it more yeah. Please and you're only fooling yourself. Just get just get the right thing. You you want to know your time. Yeah. 100%. So, and how to record this, it, I I like I said I believe they're only going to be accepting Strava data here. So, it's not like they are going to be looking at actual videos. So, yeah, he, so how to record it right, they're just using Strava data. So, again, just to, like play this one straight up. Like I know that's immediately going to put up red flags for people. I was talking to some somebody's yesterday, and they were just like, "They're like people are going to cheat, so just don't like don't." It's like, why, your- why would you like? You, I, I personally, I just want to know. All right, I'm 
90% as fast as you for, you know, something like that. I, I would want to know that ratio. And then it's like, well, I'm 7% below you in, in races. Okay. So that 3% gap right there, like what is making me like, what would help me close that gap? And it, like, I, I would actually want to know the true data. And here's your one chance. No one actually does this stuff normally. Right. It's the feedback that you want. That's like the, that's so hard to get in yeah. training uh, comparatively, especially for obstacle course racing, because it, things aren't apples to apples like this. Like you see how someone does in New Jersey versus how someone does in Vegas. Like you have no idea what these times mean and how they compare. Like this is a straight up comparison that you can get. Like I think the same way as you. And I feel like a lot, there is some, there's a lot of integrity when it comes to obstacle course racing, especially for the competitive athletes. I'm sure age groupers, they'll gripe about people not doing burpees or whatever. People are always crying about that. But, but I think about like the people in, these marathons who will like take the subway and like cut the course. And then like, so there's things that, I don't know, there's things that tick differently for people and manifest in weird ways in terms of cheating. So just don't freaking cheat. Don't do this on your bike. Don't do this on your bike. And if you do run on your bike, be smart about it. Do just a little bit faster than what you can actually run because it'll be obvious (sighs) if you do it. And like, yeah, and like I said, cadence is what's really going to matter. Like, prove it. Did you actually run that? Like, if if you're not in that 170 plus range or for your turnover, like, it's not believable. We're, right. we're, they're going to know if you're on a bike. And, I mean, most of the people, if you have some absurd time, like a 435 mile, there are a bunch of people there. If you're saying, like, you're not 3230 to 33 flat in that somewhere in that range, like it probably doesn't translate well. They have a bunch of online calculators that are really easy to to figure out. You ran this time. Here's probably where you're going to be at for this other event. So you're not going to cheat the system. You're not going to cheat the system. And they'll check like your heart rate. Imagine doing that, like doing like heart, 30 heart rate's a little different because sometimes like I don't wear my strap and I'll wear my wrist and it's like I'm 120 beats a minute yeah. and I'm doing the yeah. manicure incline. It's like okay, I don't believe that. Makes me feel great when it happens. I'm like, yeah, I'm crushing. But then, like on the other yeah. end, if I'm running real easy, it's and I'm like 180. I'm like, this is bullshit. This yeah. is wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you're you think you're super fit, and then when it backfires, it's like, screw that reading. Technology's wrong. Yeah. So I also I've only done a few different 10ks. I've raced around 10k. Obviously, I've done several 8ks. 5k is probably the distance I've raced more in my life than any other distance. You know, I've done some 10 milers, some half marathons, but the 10k itself is escaped me for the most part i maybe have three or four of them to my name and so the distance itself it's trickier than you might expect where you know a 5k you kind of have to put yourself on the red line almost immediately and just hope that you don't overdo it early and then just hang hang on for that last you know seven minutes or whatever it is and 10k you can't really do that like you need to have some sort semblance of pacing so that the early miles don't kill you but you can't take it easy. You really need to find where that area is because it can't be as easy as like a threshold run or like a half marathon pace because then you're just leaving a bunch on the table, but you can easily blow yourself up. So how would you have people kind of approach this in terms of strategy? I I would say a lot of people probably know close to what their 5K time is, or or you can look it up. Like if if you're, I'm just going to use the the guys in like that 435 range or so, you're probably about Mm -hmm. a 16 flat 5K guy. For your six mile, I would say double it and then add maybe like 30 seconds to 45 seconds. And it's basically, I would just do that across most distances where you just kind of double your time and then add up up to about a minute. And that's probably how long it will take you. And then just 
divide that by six, that's how that's your pace that you should do it. But I would recommend not going out like a bat out of hell in mile one. If anything, might even splits are obviously the way to go. But even if you, for instance, wanted to run 34 for it, go in 17, 10, and then try and 16, 50 on the second half. That's probably a better strategy. And like most world records are set that way in the longer distances, like you will not recover in something like this. So if anything, do it, be conservative. And if you're listening to it, by the time this goes up, you're only going to get one shot at it because it's too late in the week. Yeah, if you're not already at the top on the scoreboard, you're not yep. going to be able to do it again. But yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. It's not, yeah, it's not like, a, like it'd be great if you could do how you said, like take your 5K, add whatever, 10, 11 seconds per yep. mile, like, and just stick that pace. But for a lot of us, we might not know where, where our 5K is right now. If you're going to go off your mile time that you just ran, I found, like this is variable between runner. There's different styles of runners mm-hmm. who might be more fast twitch versus slow twitch. And as the race go and as it gets higher, it doesn't translate perfectly. So yep. it's going to be tough to figure out. So I would definitely take the first two miles to really kind of settle things in and be at a pace that is, you know, maybe just under that threshold pace under like what you could hold for like an hour and then really try to drop things down considerably in the the, the latter half of this. Yeah. I, I would say, I think that most people, you said that the charts don't kind of perfectly align. I would say, you might actually do better as an OCR athlete in the 10K relative to your mile just because we don't train that top end speed. We were kind of mm-hmm. like, we're really good at second gear, but not really too much above it in terms of top end speed unless you're specializing in something like this. So I do think that some people might surprise themselves, but I just typed in a, a few things on the the website that I've been trusting for, you know, since I was back in high school to estimate. Yeah, well, I, I found that one recently too. Oh, you sent it to me and then I found it because the one I was using wasn't working. What's it called? Yeah. It's the Purdy calculator, P-U-R-D-Y, and it's on runnerspace.com. And basically you type in a distance at the top and like do 1600 meters. So that's what everyone did. And then type in your mile and that will give you your estimated time. Like I said, if you do a, if you did a 435, you're probably going to be right around 3230 for, for your time. If you ran your, your mile last week and you did it in five flat, this is estimating that your six mile will be about 3540. So I would say somewhere in like a little under 36 is probably where most people will end up if you were in that five minute mile mark. And these calculators are fairly accurate. I found uh, them I've, pretty I've accurate. looked it up and it's almost within like a second of every single one that I ran for 3200 for my mile for my 800 for my five like this. It's perfect. It's, it's almost perfect for me. And I've been doing it for for friends in the past. I don't know if me telling them that kind of sets this plants the seed where it's like, Oh, this is what fitness I'm in. I'm going to shoot for that. And then they kind of come up short, but it's been very accurate for what I've done in the past. And so just for other people that are looking for that, if you Google like a V dot calculator, like that's kind of the Jack Daniels chart, that'll pop up two yeah. or three. Um, McMillan is kind of like the classic yep. example of, of this, where it just is going to give you some pace estimators yep. as a stat guy. How are they compiling this data? How are they making this, this accurate? for like the actual tool for predicting it yeah how'd they build this oh, they they probably went and they were like all right what did uh kennedy's Bekele run back in the day across his data points what did mid-level people what did people who ran like local 5ks they just probably had a big variety of athletic abilities and then just fit like here's your you know on your x-axis it's like here's shorter going to longer and you just kind of plot where you go and then they just connect a line through the dots for each person and then overall they just kind of like average what those should be and then they create a best fit line and 
that just kind of is an equation that estimates here's one result that you know for sure this is going to be pretty close for the rest of them how much data do you think they needed i mean you if you're if it's this accurate they probably had close to a thousand plus like yeah i imagine you can just go to just look in any conference in college and you're probably going to be pretty close you look at if your if your community hosts the 5k 10k a half marathon and a marathon like throughout the year just find the same person over and over plot plot it in there it might have been a little work i don't know how they did it but that's how i would have done it are you working on this for ocr (laughs) no that doesn't apply (laughs) not yet you, you, you can, you can figure out the variables you can, yeah, 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 yeah. if anybody yeah. can, burp, burp you, tough, but yeah. you are the one who can do it. So yeah, I mean, if you are just going into this thing completely blind, this is a great place to start and probably seeing what that average pace is and going five to seven seconds slower than what that projection is on those first two miles and then work your way into it. And then when you get to the last, like, you know, 3,200 meters, two miles, like that's where you really are, are going to need to be prepared. And that's really where that kind of like lactic takeover that you're going to feel at the end of a 5K because that will be present in a 10K, that 5K feeling, but it's just going to be like later. You, you, don't, you want it to be in the last, after 20 minutes, not after 10. Yep. So so let me just go over, if, if you ran a 5.30 for your time, I don't want to just skew it all towards the top. If you ran a 5.30 for your mile, mm-hmm. you should estimate your six mile will take about 39 and a half minutes. If you ran six flat for your mile and we want to see how long it would take you your six miles, it's looking like 43.22. So right around 43, 44 minutes for that. If and you get people pace per pace per minute on these. Oh, it, doesn't, it doesn't have that, but it doesn't uh, have that feature. My goodness. The yeah. one I use doesn't, doesn't have a six mile. Uh, so so that would be about 715 mile pace. If you ran a 630, you're probably in about 715 or so pace for your 10K. Got it. Got or for, it. Uh, your six mile. Sorry. Don't want to misquote that. So, so it's about 45 seconds slower on the, on that end. And if you're like a five flat miler and it's saying that you're going to run 35, 40, you're looking at about 555 pace. So it's like 55 seconds. So the, the faster you were in your mile, the less t- the closer to your time, but it's still going to be probably like a minute or so slower. And what, what was your mile? I was a four twenty seven. So you're 427. It's just an estimate at the moment. So it's saying that you'll probably run about 3131. Do you for think? 10? I think you're. You might be faster than that. For 10k or for six miles? Uh, that's for that's for a six mile. But I think you're faster than 427 shape. Yeah. Like, and that's you solo. And that's where the discrepancy is yeah. when when it comes to obstacle course racing because what my 10 mile time would be, it would probably project much faster for that 10k and yeah, i feel yeah. like a 10 mile is going to be a closer test to a, a 10 a, to a six mile than a mile for a six mile so yeah mm-hmm. why don't you punch that in see what the other 10 mile thing right there yeah what, what do you think what was your 10 mile it was a uh, 5127 okay 5127 so that's estimating that your mile should have been about a 414.7 um, and that's like on the track what, granted you did have some elevation change in yours so like that that helped a little bit, but like if you, and you were with in, in a race situation with like Mark and David, but for most of it, but you dropped them. But I I would say, yeah, that, that that would estimate that your six mile would be about 2947, but I don't know about the whole elevation change rules in this, but yours is only like towards the beginning. Then the rest of it was pretty flat, right? I mean, yeah, I, I would say 
everything even if I ran, I would have run like 5150 or something. Okay. So yeah. So it might've been like, you were running on like a half a percent downgrade the whole time on, on average, like at oh, most. the first, the first like three miles was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the rest right. was just pure speed. But yeah, because that, 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 that sounds, that sounds fast for six mile. Like, so yeah. I would think I'd be somewhere in between that somewhere. Right yeah, around I just, that. I just remember when I was in like high school track and college track and then other friends who I would, you know, do this for basically if you are fine tuning for that type of race like if you're used to running in spikes and like you're in that track mentality for years in a row it's probably going to be accurate since we don't really do that too often we're more of like the grind it types in ocr it yeah. might not be as accurate this time but th- those are still some good guidelines for you totally like yeah if you're going in without any clue and like you probably haven't done a 5k like obviously a 5k or a half marathon would might might be a, a better a metric to go off of but yeah. we have a mile you know it's there you went after it hard. You gave it everything you have. So just take it, and I'll give you some sort of uh, guideline for that. You mentioned something about the the again how to do this. It should be you can't lose more than a hundred feet mm-hmm. during during this race. So that's another thing to consider. So you can lose ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you have that and a, a straight point to point six miles. Are you, you going to have that though without having to cross, you know, a, a road at some exactly. point or, you know, have some ups and downs in your course. Like you, I would say it's better to be flat than have a little bit of an uphill and then a longer downhill to have a net gain. Like I agree. Try, you don't want to have to that, like that. The pace change going uphill is going to hurt your time more than your minimal gains going downhill a little bit. And, and this was something that when we first started talking about this, you had mentioned about your area, uh, maybe on, even on the first podcast where, you know, where I live, it's easier to get flat. I mean, it's not easy just to get like literally pancake flat without some rolling or whatever. It's probably not like that anywhere, but like where you live, like, is there anywhere to even just get like slightly rolling? Like where, what would you do if you lived in a mountainous area? We have basically a three mile out and back that we can run before it really starts, you know, having a little bit of change or, or not, not a three, it's 5k out and back. So like oh, nice. a mile and a half out, mile and a half back. I would probably do that twice if I was to do this, my Achilles wasn't messed up yeah. uh, because that's, and it's on packed dirt. I think road is going to be quicker, but a lot of people might get beat up if they're not used to run on the roads. Cause a lot of people do train on trails a lot. That might beat you up a little bit if you don't have, if you're not super used to that for your body. But yeah, I, I would also recommend if you're going to do an out and back thing, do it more like a lollipop as opposed to like a U so that you're, you're still keeping your speed while you're doing your, your U-turn. You might need to like go out a little bit more to, to have like a bigger circle, like turning radius, but you don't want to like stop on a dime. Like you're doing a suicide run back yeah. to the ball like that. That's going to cost you two, three seconds. You have to do that a couple of times. There's 10 seconds right there. Yeah, that's a great point. So if you have to do an out and back, like it'd be nice to have a little bit of space. Like here in Philadelphia, they, the main path that we have, they just shut down the road next to it. So you are capable of, of kind of taking a huge wide turn. It'd be better than just doing a dead stop and turn around. Um, I've found like a mile loop and I'm just going to do that a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will also, because I could easily do a three mile out and back, but I just worry about the wind. I, I don't want three miles of wind one way. Yeah. I'd rather have it like a little bit. Also your mile loop, like if you're 515 on your first one and then 538 the next one, you're like, uh, what happened? Or, you know, you can at least kind of keep track of it. So yeah, I I would say smaller, but like bite-sized loops are are probably the way to go as opposed to 
like a big six miles straight out, but that's just personal preference. I, I can totally see the logic in not wanting to go crazy running the same exact thing for 30, 40 minutes in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Small loops, not a track, but small loops. Cause you're right. Then you can, you can definitely, you can consider the variables in the yep. courts. So it and you can also make sure that there are no like cars in the way on like a, a certain crossing and stuff. Like if you find yeah. a place de- definitely make sure that you like know where you're running. Don't just be like, Oh, I heard this area is flat. And then like you get there and you're like, crap, I have to sit at this pedestrian signal for a minute to cross the road. Like too bad. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So you have to, so I actually did that today. I went over, there's some of the Philly track club guys. This one dude's crazy fast. He ran like 23, 30 something for 8k just this pat like two weekends ago. And I was looking at Strava. I shot him a message. I was like, where was this? Where did you do this? Yeah. And it's just like some random ass neighborhood in South Jersey. So I was like, all right. Wow. I went, and I went over there and, and scoped it out today. And I just went and ran and just did a couple fast miles and then a couple slow ones. Just kind of saw what it was like. So I definitely recommend that you do some scouting or that you talk to somebody who knows. Because even, even if you do, scout it out anyway. Mm-hmm. Because people may forget that there are like little crossing or little turns that you might not consider, or people might think it's straightforward because they run it all the time. Kind of how we take advantage, take uh, for granted the fact that we know how to navigate a track. Other people might do that on a specific path that they run over and over. So definitely scout it out. I would also say don't do it on grass because that's going to slow you down. Just it's literally extra friction points and you never run faster on grass than you do on road or dirt. You could spike up. You got those spikes now from the track. Wake up and get out you there. You want to do a t- country, but you, you'd see like all the guys in cross country that run thirty, thirty-one, and then uh, like the national level people at at uh, in Terry Howe, and then like championship season for track, they're a minute faster because like the yeah. grass does slow you down substantially. Oh, totally. Did it did it make you miss cross country weather being in New Hampshire during the fall? Did you smell it? Oh yeah. Like, oh man, this is cross country. They had the championship meet, meet of champions, and it's or uh, class, like the division meet was the week before in the meet of champions, which is like the state meet. The second week I was there, but the first week it was snowing at, like on Friday night. The meet was on Saturday, and I was like, man, my Spartan days would have prepared me so much for this. But obviously you can't go back in time and be 17 again. So the where – yeah, because I look back at old cross-country courses, like, man, I used to think those are hard, not hard. No. But the, the district meet – so in PA it goes like leagues and districts, and then it leads into – your class championships. We don't do a meet of champs. Just the state's too big. So yeah. like everybody gets together to their, their class championships and that's that. Yeah, I so. guess New England's would be the equivalent. Uh, meet of champions would be your the one you were describing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. New Jersey actually does it both. They do a class and then they get back together the next week and do a meet of champions. Yeah. It's inner classes, but yeah. small. New Jersey always used to like, they had like the Rosa brothers and Edward Cheserick and so like right. New Jersey, everyone knew New Jersey deserved its own <laughs> They, they got home dell. That's like a metric that they have, like their home dell time. Yep. But uh, they actually, in my district, they actually ran their cross country course at Blue Mountain in Palmerton, where they have the Palmerton course. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> I was like, what was this? How could this? What could this course even look like? Wow. So props we had to like, them. We had like three hundred feet or so of elevation gain, and then three hundred descent. Um, but actually, our start our start line was lower than the finish line, so it was a net positive gain. And some sophomore set the the record. He ran a fifteen fourteen on the course, Whoa. which is like stupid. And like you've had Olympic, like Eric Jenkins, you know him. He, um, uh, he University of Oregon. He ran like a thirteen oh eight or something. But he's he just missed the Olympics. But he was flying on that also. But yeah. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. I don't want to. 
get to. We digressed. So, yeah. so yeah, there's definitely some things to consider here when it comes to the strategies for this race, and you need to kind of think these out. Jack, if you were healthy, would you do this twice? No, no. I wouldn't. I don't think that you can you could do a legitimate all out six mile effort. You maybe can do a five k. I, I think I think that's much more doable if you do it on like. Monday or Tuesday, and then again on Saturday, you're not doing a 10K. Like, I remember my friend Tim in college, he went to do a 10K, and my coach never gave people, like, a bunch of days off, which I don't even want to get into that whole thing. But he was like, Tim, you need four days completely off, no running after this. Your body is messed up. Your central nervous system, like, you went all out in that. I could tell, like, you need time off to recover. If you genuinely are doing this all out, you should not be able to do this at a hard effort twice. So I hope you catch people before they get out and do that. I mean – Props to you if you can do it twice, but this isn't like those shorter workouts where you can make small adjustments and that would make big payoffs. Uh, like for example, like if I was able to hang on to gripper chipper and do all of my toast bar and break it up into uh, four rounds to the three, that would be huge. But like you're going to get exposed over the course of six miles and your fitness is going to put you where you belong and your fitness isn't going to improve from today until Saturday. And um, you don't, you don't suddenly be go like, Oh, I was a four thirty five runner and in, in my mile time trial i think next week i'm shooting for like 412 like you are right. pretty close to what you are gripper chipper it's like wow i avoided 30 seconds of burpees because my grip lasted a couple more seconds this time that's how you shoot up the rank but you can't do that in running you are what your fitness is exactly and if there was a case if you go out and do it tomorrow and then you go out and you're trying to run 530s and you run a 525 the first one and then you run a 545 the next one stop that's exactly what I would say. Yeah. You're already on the down on the, unless that section has like a tiny uphill or something like that, that, or is it you're running into the wind for that particular section and you didn't scout it out properly. Like that's the only time, but otherwise, yeah, you, you did two hard miles. Just, just call it a day, do it again later in the week, a couple days yeah. later. If you kill yourself early, then just drop out. There's no shame. Yeah. <laughs> and try, really to, try to have friends run, run with you as well. You're never going to run faster solo than you would with, company and even if you have a friend who's not super fit like say that you're someone who wanted to average 715 pace like we were just mentioning if you if you ran like a 630 or something you probably have a friend who could do a 715 for a couple miles like if you're if you have like a running buddy like that even if they don't stick with you for the full 10k or you could just have like ask your super fast friend be like hey can you pace me for a couple or can you just be company with me just to you know get yourself in or you don't have to think of how horrible it's going to be the whole time by having some company. Yeah, exactly. And if you do a course like how I'm going to do, it could be like if you have someone that is fit enough to do one mile and then rest for a couple minutes and then do another mile at that pace, like then that's doable as well. Yep. And um, and if you do those one mile loops right there, you could do one mile, have have your friend do it. They rest on mile two, mile three. You know, your friend jumps back in yep, and exactly. they can help you out. So so they they'd only be doing three hard miles potentially or even two depending on what they want to do but they can at least break it up to help you out and have someone next to you yeah so if you can find friends that's great i'm having a hard time again finding anybody to pace so i think i'm just rolling solo i feel better about doing this one solo than the mile like i feel like the mile i could have gotten like three or four seconds which is a huge jump i don't think it's going to be that that much different on this like no if you, you can also have someone on a bike next to you like if that's you true a runner friend like it's it's easy for someone to go you know, eight to 11 miles an hour on a bike, just coasts right there. They're not going to have an odometer like you would in a car or something like that, but you, you can at least still have an idea of, of having someone near you. 
You can put a watch on them, just don't put your watch on them. So yeah. they count your Strava, like they'll kick real hard the last mile. It all looks good until last mile, and it's like a 420. So how fast do you think on the women's side that you'd have to run to get top 10? I think probably sub 40 is going to cut it. Just so like, based on, on the names in the competition, I think that that's going to be a, a pretty solid score for, for the women's side. That's um, like 625s. Yeah, yeah, roughly. And I mean, you, I like I said, or we went over in the other episode, I thought that some of the top times would have been a little bit faster than, you know, high 550s or so, just based on all the podiums that they're getting. But I think that that's kind of going back to what we were talking about, where we're good at that, like, steady grind gear, as opposed to the high-end speed. We're, we're all kind of Honda Civics instead of Corvettes, like, in, in terms of OCR, when you need to keep grinding out. Yeah, yeah, be reliable and, just, and keep grinding out. So I think that you will see faster relative times in the 10k than than we saw in the mile but just seeing the bunch of people in like that 540 550 range for who are some of the better in the sport i wouldn't be surprised if yeah you, you right in that like 39 40 minute range would be a very a good top 10 or so time i think so too so if you're stretched right there if you're somewhere someone sitting in uh the top 10 right now or right outside and you have that ability someone like faye morgan who is 10th I, th- I thought I saw she posted something on Instagram where like her toe was all a, a disaster, like completely, oh, right. <laughs> completely moved off of her foot. But like her, she'd be a perfect example. Like that'd be a, a goal time for her who's in who's intent to to push into, so you can keep those, so you can have a good running result and keep yourself moving up. Who do you expect to see? I know the the woman who won the Laney Marchant, who we we think was is like a runner who hopped in. She did complete the toes to bar. I'm not completely yeah. she did she did the workout like yeah. i was i was thinking she, the board yeah she might not have even done the workout but she did so she's invested in this competition obviously so mm-hmm. we should expect to see her i would say rebecca hammond's gonna do great i know that Ida obviously is a, a great runner she ran a 519 and did really well in the gripper trippers so she probably wants to, she's only separated by a couple points behind lauren weeks i think that Ida is a better actual runner especially splitting 78 on her last lap versus 86 for lauren i think that shows that Ida had a little more in the tank for her mile so i wouldn't be surprised to see her move up a couple notches if she can get some you know some a little bit of gap in between lauren and someone else and then yeah regina lopez she's a really good trail runner she was fourth in the mile with the 511 but uh, tiffany palmer amanda nadeau let's see Faye Morgan, there, there are just several notable names who are in like that 540 to 550 range, roughly. Kelly Sullivan, six flat, Alyssa Hawley, 608. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of them in like that low 40 range. And that's going to be really interesting to see, right? Like, because will it be a direct, like will the top 10 who finish in the mile be the top 10 in the 10K? Or will there be variants based off of the different strengths that people have because of the training? Someone like... Someone like Amanda Nadal, who Nadeau, Nadeau. Yeah. Someone like Amanda Nadeau, who you know her time was, was solid. She was twelfth, but like she's someone who can grind it out. Just did really well at Tahoe. Obviously, built to run for longer distance. Like, will the ten, will the six mile be more advantageous for her so she can move up to say like in that top five? Yeah, I, I would say you might see some shuffling between someone who ran like a five fifty to beating or losing to someone who maybe ran a six flat but I don't think you're going to see someone who ran 540 beat the 511 girl. Like if that makes sense. 
Yeah. So this is going to be a compelling race, actually, just between these top two, because I would imagine Ida is going to have a considerable lead over Lauren, because this is where someone like a CrossFitter who's a complete power athlete, even though she does do well in High Rocks, that's still 8K of running in a High Rocks event with a lot of stuff between it. But I feel like Ida can put some distance on Lauren in here and kind of put some points on her. And even in their case, like five points is going to be quite a bit. You're going to want as many points over heading into that burpee burpee over step up thing like you you're gonna need it because you would imagine lauren weeks is gonna win that one yes right? so like yeah. if Edith can put a bunch of points on her even a couple in this one and lauren could just kind of and, and if lauren because I, I can see lauren dropping beyond below the top 10 here i think she'll still be top 10 do you yeah i mean she ran 525 and there were only a few people within like 10 seconds of her so she's still a little bit ahead i know that obviously like i mentioned she's more of like the isaiah really good at lifting, but also can run as opposed to a really good runner who likes to lift. But I, I do think that Lauren is a, is a really good runner as well. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not, I'm not sure how it's going to play out, like, and, and how the, the different fitness is going to translate and same on the men's side. So on the men's side, what would you say you need to do for a top 10? Well, actually re- real quick, I, I just refresh the men. We have a couple data points just for, uh, comparison sake. So we, we have Devin O'Neill ran a five sixteen mile and he went 40, 40 on the mile time or on the six mile, but his last mile was a six forty two. That's pretty even pacing for that. Actually, John Burkle, he went five Oh one and he ran 36, 13. And then you have some guy, Jimmy Hughes, who went four fifty seven high and he went 35, 23. So you can see like, even though they were only four seconds off in the mile, they were 50 seconds off in the 10k so i think it's pacing yourself is going to really make a big difference because john burkle who ran the 60 who ran four seconds slower in the mile ran almost 43 seconds slower in his last mile the six mile time trial so i think that he went out a little too hot is what the results are looking like there yeah totally yeah so this is interesting that this is these are kind of rolling in now and we can kind of get a quick taste of yeah. because yeah I'm, I'm not familiar with with these athletes but you know, seeing how they translate across and mm-hmm. are, so have the fastest. Yeah. So I guess the dude with Jimmy Hughes who had the fastest mile now has the fastest six mile. Yep. Well, right. of, of those people, of, of those, four, of those four or five people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I, I think in terms of the 10 mile batchers after what he did in his ultra virus right there, he's going to be super dangerous with that. I know obviously we've mentioned you, you're going to definitely run faster than your 427 would indicate. I think Chad as well. Ryan Woods will have a good one, but I'm not I'm not too sure about VJ if he's traveling somewhere or not. And we know that he he is almost impossible to beat in supers or shorter is mm-hmm. kind of what last year told us once it kind of moved to the hour long super. So some people might think, oh, six mile, that's a little out of his range. He's more of a sprint guy. He still was winning the hour long races and outrunning everybody with the fastest run splits on the day. So I think... He's definitely if he if he isn't running this at elevation, he's gonna have a super fast time. But yeah, I, I think it's gonna be pretty close to the order that you're seeing people show up on the leaderboard. I would be surprised it, like if, for instance, Forrest Bogue or Tyler Veerman, both of them live at elevation, then they were in the four forties, low four forties for the one mile. I'd be surprised if they snuck into the top ten because they were in like that 
15 to 20 range roughly for the one mile i think that elevation is going to make a big enough impact on them where they might lose lose some placement if they don't do it somewhere else but that is a time commitment to travel on during the middle of the week to try to find a flat not an elevation place so good luck to that right (laughs) and uh, yeah i i think so what do you think that means in terms of time i think if if someone's running like five under 530s do you think that's what it's going to take for like for the average 10? person or for you? No, no. For us to get top 10. Like, what do you think? Oh, like, top 10, looking at, looking at these names right now, if you're, we almost had, we had seven guys who were like under 430. I, I think that you're going to have a lot of people in like that 32 to 33 range. And that'll be, that comes out to about a 525 pace. Yeah. Um, so that'll, that'll probably be about top 10. Yeah. And I know Sean Stevens wall, he's right in there. He'll be yeah. there. I, I would imagine Nick Riker will be. He'll move for, up. Yeah, he'll probably be like. We just have to check if he's getting his dog to tow him. I know his dog's fast, man. Yeah, but he'll See. be like, yeah. I can imagine he's like in the five thirty-five, maybe. Because again, he had kind of a short build-up. He raced this past weekend. Batris yep. raced this past past weekend. He did. did also. And Batris kind of got hurt. He did rolled an ankle, yeah. something dropping off the. Yeah, so I don't know. And what I what my concern is is that some of these runners who have who are essentially buried now they're kind of they could potentially be out of contention if i don't know like vj right now is 100 or i'm just gonna go off what they have he is how many points out of first place he's like 28 points out of first place he's gonna do well in the last two though realistically i think you can still get i think top five pays out so i think you're gonna still see people who want to do well enough or you know are, are still gonna put in a good effort at least in this event and hopefully, you know, a lot of people know what this last workout's roughly going to be. So I think that you, you will see people like VJ and Nick who kind of dropped back a little bit and Ryan Kent in the gripper chipper workout. I do think they're going to put in a good effort so that they can try to put themselves in position for a top five overall. I hope so. And I hope that they show up. I hope Woods Woods continues to show up because he raced this past weekend as well. I think Matt Kempson, he's not going to have the fastest 10K but he is going to be dangerous on that last workout. So he'll probably do the same thing just to kind of inch up to that top 10 or so. I'd imagine he's going to be really buried after 10K. After, after the 10K. Yeah. yeah. He said he ran a 17.20 with 5K this past week, or roughly, I think, 17.20 or 17.10, and that was a lifetime PR. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would agree. He's going he's gonna to be just on the wrong side of that big grouping, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that big grouping is going to be like how we had for the mile? Like what, mm. what, what do you 30, think like average? 30, 34 to 35 is going to have a lot of people. Yeah. I, Cause that, that translates to roughly back to back 18s for a 10 K or 18 for back to back five Ks and a 10 K. So I think that that's probably where a good portion of people are. Yeah. People running five fifties. Yeah. I think so. I think, I think, I think a lot of people are going to be able to go out there and run five forty fives. 545 mm-hmm. to 550s and i think that's something a lot of people are gonna be like okay like like that's something right behind her and that's even what jimmy hughes he just ran 535s right yeah 3523 so yep and, and he, ran he was just under five minutes for the mile so that that's a good range good predictor yeah yeah so it will be a lot of a lot of fast times i'm excited to see this i'm excited to see how this does shake out and how what's it's- your prediction for you I think I think my floor is five oh fives if everything goes if things go wrong, but I really? think I'll yeah like I think if I mean for the ten mile it was five oh eights right bless you I'm, so I, I muted it 
That's a, that's a solid movie. Hit the mute button. Um, advanced podcasting. So I figure, I, I think I have a shot to get 30 flat or under. I would love to, but it depends on how like that, those last two miles go and, and what kind of day it is. I'm just trying to find a, a day without wind and just be able to kind of roll. What day are you doing it? I was going to do it Friday, but it's looking like Saturday is going to be the better day. Like I did my last like tune-up workout today. So the rest of the week is just going to be easy runs, tapering yeah. in. 10K is definitely one that you want to have an extra day of recovery heading into it. So yeah. like if you're planning on doing a workout tonight, don't do this or tonight being Tuesday. Don't do your 10K on Thursday. Wait until Friday or Saturday. And that's another reason this whole, this whole thing has been strange in terms of training. It's like, I feel like I've been tapering for like four weeks already. Well, that's what happens every October, like for championship season. It's like, Oh, you want to do Tahoe? You're going to taper at the end of September. And then you want to do OCR worlds extended out a few weeks. And then like, that's kind of how it ends up being. And I think that's the variable for these workouts. And like, of unknown. Like I was talking to Nick Masick the other day and he's like, I feel like my training has been shitty because I've just been doing all this random stuff. So like, mm-hmm. I think I can run this fast, but like, I'm not sure. So, but he definitely has a shot to go sub 30. I would imagine Woods has a shot to go sub 30. VJ, yep. VJ su- honestly surprised me in the mile. I didn't think he was going to be able to run even that fast. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he isn't, if he gets to sea level and is able to run fast. Nick will do yeah. He's, he's definitely a, a fit guy overall. So how do you think the leader is in the pack is going to do? Chris Woolley. I think Chris, he has one of his friends. She qualified for Rio or like had a qualifying time for Rio. I don't know if she ended up racing or not, but she's going to pace him. So she's, I think, a 33 and change 10 k And Chris's 435 mile equates to roughly about a 16 flat 5K. So I think that he's going to end up being right around 32.30 or so for six miles. Yeah, I was surprised. I was... The way he ran that mile, I was like, wow, this is like, we talked about him too. Like he's in great position after that mile. And, but both of these workouts, they've been for Chris in particular has been 430 to 630, you know, and now it's a 30 plus minute workout. And I know he's an obstacle course race athlete, but I don't know. It's just yeah, different. For, for someone like Chris, he just needs to finish ahead of Forrest because Forrest is really going to be hard to beat on the the last workout that involves burpees and box jumps and stuff. So he's, Forrest is such an explosive athlete with that, and especially in a time cap workout, he's just going to be able to outgrind everybody. So, and Chris is fantastic at that. But if he at least stays a couple places ahead of Forrest, that's going to be a nice cushion for him. So I think the shorter athletes are not an advantage for Burpee Mountain. So like they had their short guy workout, and Burpee Mountain is not that. Just based on like jumping up and walking over something is going to be True. more advantageous for the taller guys. So I don't think being smaller is going to help i think it's going to I, I still think having a high motor matters a little bit more but i i do see your point i think if it was like step ups with a kettlebell in each hand by your side or yeah. that would significantly favor the the taller athlete but I, I don't think it's as big of a deal this time but we'll it, see it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out we'll talk about this next time how i think that the 10k and the burpee mountain results are going to be pretty close yes i, I agree yeah, and then the, the outlier is going to be just the toast bar workout. It's it's a motor output workout where, yeah. like, how much do you have in the tank? Did you pace well? Like, everybody can – it's essentially like you're doing a really long climb with some push-ups in between. That's kind of how the Burpee Mountain thing is going to be. It's like you're st- it's stepping up with some weight on you, like you're doing a heavy carry up a mountain, and then just go ahead and do some push-ups and then hop to the other side. That's kind of how it ends up being. 
So overall, man, I'm pumped. I think this has been really cool. I've had a freaking blast doing it. I think this is so much fun. I'm bummed that you're hurt. I know. No, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the whole thing when I'm healthy because I genuinely want to know like where I stack up because you don't get data like this as an athlete. Whether you're and don't just think like the pros. Oh, I'm this much slower than Hunter or Rich or something. Like you can see other people in your division who competed, and you can kind of get that sense of all right this person's slightly better of a runner than me and then maybe next time you you race them head to head you see them a little bit ahead of you it's like that's where i should be i'm in the right right place but i usually make it up on the obstacles with the carries or something so i can make it up there so like this is very useful data don't lie to yourself and give yourself an inaccurate time because this is one of the rare times you can actually see where you truly stack up against your competition Right. And I'm glad that it is like, and these are all relatively out of the comfort zone of what we would typically be doing. And, you know, I don't think this is to find the best obstacle course racer. I think it's, this is, this is its own event, you know, so mm-hmm. like Gripper Chipper, you know, the best OCR athletes on the men's side, they did not do well, but this is a different thing. Totally agree. Yep. So I hopefully, think it's be a fun time and we'll, we'll do our recap next week. Heck yeah. Do where can the people find you? At Jack underscore Bauer underscore OCR on Instagram. Same name as the guy from 24. I love that that's in your Instagram profile. And, yeah. No, I, I actually, I have a personal account and then the OCR one because I just don't want to annoy all my non-OCR friends with all the OCR stuff. So that one has 24 in there, but I, I decided to just get a second one to only do OCR. So I never asked you about this. I'm sure you get asked a lot. Like, is it, was, was it, it seems like you've embraced it at this point, but was it the worst? No, or did, the best. Really? <laughs> I mean, if my name was like Osama bin Laden, that would have been the worst. But that like, worst. Bauer was a was a cool, <laughs> cool character to have. It, it would be like if you were James Bond or something. Like that yeah, was yeah, the, yeah. the level. And it's like it wasn't a show that was on for one year. It was like eight nine seasons of good stuff, and then like a a mini movie in there. So so it was like an extended amount of time where multiple generations like actually heard about it. And people know that name who haven't even really seen the show. Yeah. Like that, oh, yeah. Like, transcends culture. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I literally probably a dozen times or so gone on a plane and like the, when I'm going to the TSA agent at the check-in thing, I give them the license. They're like, Oh yeah. Plane's going to be safe with you on it. Like <laughs> TSA is making a joke. Do you think how long, how many years do you think you have like th- that? like with you like is it going to be like another decade or like if you have kids is it going to be like your kids friends are they going to know like, i think people our age will know it so like, you think this is just for the rest of your life get old at the same time like you're still going to remember it. you know you've heard of like clark kent and james bond i know james bond's obviously like a more notable thing but like i guarantee you people in our generation are going to at least still remember the name jason Bourne, for instance like you're going to remember that kind of stuff. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Jason Bourne is a good one. I, so Jason Bourne, Jack Bauer, James, starts with J-A. And just like a, a really short last name, like J-A, Jason Bourne, Jack yeah. Bauer, James Bond, like J-A-B. Huh. That, that's that's crazy how that works. <laughs> power, yeah. the power names. Is your, yeah. is your name John? No. Or is it Jack? Legitimately. It's and Jack. I truly, I actually have my birth certificate. I brought it back with me from my new hampshire thing because i left it somewhere but I, I can prove it it's really jack now is the character's name in the show is Kiefer is Kiefer sutherland's name in the show is his birth name jack or is it john it's definitely jack it's yeah. de- it has to be jack 100 oh, yeah. Right. yeah they actually right. had had one thing where like one of the episodes they had the 
like full name middle like they, they showed it one time and like a, oh, a, a, like the log on the on the fbi bio of the person and it said first name jack and i was like all right sweet that's confirmed that's confirmed. that's hilarious dude my yeah. dad used to watch that show and it was like bad for his health he's like i watch it and i can't go to sleep i'm so excited it was like oh yeah a crazy show totally pumped did you ever watch it I watched, I, I know it. I like know who the characters were from it. I didn't watch it season over season. I probably watched like two or three. Yeah. Like the golden age of TV. Oh yeah. That was, that was when people actually watched TV, but my girlfriend's name is Audrey and Audrey was like a main character in there. And like the oh, later no season, who he ended up like getting with at the end. And it was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. That, that is crazy. <laughs> really ended up that way. Yeah. Just living that 24 life. Yeah. Cause Definitely. I mean, that was back at the point when, when there's commercials and shit on TV or I when you'd watch a show with commercials in it. Yeah, yeah. So, so back in high school, my my old track coach like would have sports awards night, and I won like student athlete, best student athlete for for one of those. And he called me up in front of the school. He's like, "And uh, the winner is Secret Agent Jack." Bauer. Like that's how he addressed me to the to the school. And I was like, so, he was such a huge fan of that show. <laughs> well, thanks for having the twenty four talk with me. Thanks for having the OCR Stars talk with me. Uh, yeah, really cool stuff. We'll be on this next week. And yeah, that's it, man. So do the recap. Thanks for joining. Awesome. Me. I guess we have two more because we're gonna. We'll do recap. a season. We'll do yeah, a yeah. recap on the whole on the whole deal. So we got two more of these. People are liking it. Yeah, reach out if you have questions about it. If you have any uh, comments, any input on your own perspective, because I mean, I'm taking it from the athletes who I coach and just my firsthand and our, Jack and our firsthand experience on our doing these events over the course of our life. So I'm sure you've had different experience on your own. Reach out. Let us know, and we can we'll talk about them. Yeah. And I'd be curious, like having people reach out and just being like, did any of the strategy we talked about help or like, what were your one, two, three, four, five, six mile splits instead of just your final mile in the 10 K? Like, did people do it sort of conservatively at the beginning and then try to negative split? Just, I, I, I wish that we had all that data on there just to kind of prove that one strategy is better than the other, but we're yeah. just going to go on ahead and just assume we are correct. And like uh, usual, yeah. Yeah, no, we were just right. So don't do anything yeah. different than what we said. Definitely. All, All right. right, cool, man. Talk to you soon. Yep, see you, Rich. Bye. All right, great. Yes, that was great. Lots of fun, lots of exciting things coming down the pipeline with OCR Stars. And like I said, I'm having an absolute blast with this thing. This is really cool. I hope it sticks around. Hope it comes year after year. And if you're not doing it this year, you better get ready to do it next year because this is legitimately awesome. So again, I wanted to give you that reminder about the strength and conditioning coaching for obstacle course racers here at Reinforced Running. Again, these will make you stronger, make you faster, make you better at transitions. It is three strength workouts per week, three mobility workouts per week, and it is meant to work with your running, not in place of your running. Cool. So take a look at the link in the show notes. Shoot me a message reinforce underscore running underscore rich or rich at reinforcerunning.com. Also, if you are liking what we were doing here, help us out and give us a five-star review and a nice little message there on iTunes. It means a lot and can really do us a big favor. So I appreciate that. And we'll talk to you soon.